Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash Trending Topics with BB. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Now, thank you so much to all you fans out there. I don't know. I don't really like saying fans. How about friends uh, that tune into this podcast uh, on whatever platform? There's so many platforms and apps out there these days. Uh, speaking of, let's get to the housekeeping before I introduce our guest. Uh, if you have not logged on to bbmediaindustries.com, that's fine. But just want to let you know there's a link to this podcast on there. But if you want to go straight to the podcast uh, on Facebook, we're Trending Topics with BB. On Twitter and Instagram, we're TT with BB. So you can follow the handles and all the updates via social media. And speaking of platforms, if you are a iTunes person, please uh, leave a favorable rating and comment. It helps this podcast be found by other listeners. And likewise to you Android Stitcher users out there that uh, are using that or wherever, just please leave a favorable rating and comment. I want to help my guests be found as well as just help other listeners find this podcast. Now, this is really exciting for me. A extended family member has come into town for the holidays, and he was nice enough to sit down with me and talk about some really interesting subjects like electric cars uh, going forward, uh, social media, what that'll do. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll have him back on the podcast for a future episode, um, but I would like you to really pay attention and um, or not, no, really. Uh, pay attention and enjoy our conversation with Mario. So kind of go over kind of what it was like a hobby or a, a mix of your career, you know, engineering with, you know, motorsports. What what got you into electric car? Well, I, I grew up, I grew up in a rural area and I was very hands-on because we didn't have a lot of money. So we had to fix everything. So as I learned to be able to fix cars and I got into mini bikes at an early age, and so uh, I liked that, and I liked racing. So, long story short, I, when I got married, uh, I liked motorcycles, and my wife's best friend was killed in a motorcycle accident early, mm. and so I gave up my motorcycle. So I had to find a hobby to fill that time with. Okay, Okay, and of course I was into alternate forms of uh, motivate of you know getting around, and I didn't like the oil. I went through the whole oil crisis thing in the '70s, so I wanted to find an energy supply that you could create yourself. Obviously, you can't create oil, so I thought, well, you know, electricity. It's, it's kind of a way to free yourself of that connection to the need of a hydrocarbon, even though it's not as efficient in the sense of, of uh, the amount of energy per unit, so to speak. So anyway, basically, basically uh, it, was a, it was a hobby that I could, I could do. It was clean, and, and I could do it in a small garage, 
and uh, and it was interesting to me. So, and it was I, to be honest, I thought it was something. It was like a new age of uh, of uh, auto design, sort of like the Model T. For it was a time when when there weren't any electric cars produced commercially, and people were building them themselves. So it kind of fit my background in that way. Right. And at what, you know, what time, and I don't want to sound like a historian in this yeah. question, but like, you know, we, we talk about alternative energy now. It's a big thing in our lives now. Mm-hmm. But when, when did, when was, because, you know, it's progressively gotten more and more interesting to people and more mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe we should have thought of this sooner. So when did you think, well, maybe, you know, electric as a form of energy for racing would be kind of the better way as opposed to like alternative fuels or um, anything that, you know, was kind of popular at the time. You know what I mean? Right. So, so the 70s, we had the oil crisis, which we, you don't have to get into details on that. But the point is, is that, you know, you, you, there were long lines to get gasoline. So it was like, gee, I have all the electricity I want, but I can't drive my car. So you say, okay, what? And, and people were doing it in the 80s. They were starting to build these electric cars with big old uh, uh, lead-acid batteries and stuff. And what I did when I started in, in Phoenix here, they had the, uh, uh, the electric 500 that was based right out of, down, out of Phoenix. And um, I went to a race. They had a race here. Was went, it at like Phoenix International? Yeah, it was at Phoenix, Phoenix International. And uh, it, it was 92 I, I went. And they had all kinds of sponsors there. They had uh, power companies, they had Goodyear, they had General Electric, there was sponsorships. And what happened was, uh, I went to it, I thought it was cool as heck, so I, uh, I went to the GE uh, booth, and there was an engineer there, and I said, I'm an engineer, and uh, you know, how do I get a sponsorship? And she said, well, just give me your name and uh, I'll call you. And it's like, I said, okay, we'll see how. And so basically at that time, all you had to do was convince them that you were capable of building a car. And I, I had some pictures of stuff I'd done or something and I, I emailed those to her. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, eight months later, I get a, a motor and a controller in the mail, you know. So it was a lot easier just to ask for sponsorship back then than it is now because of how popular racing is in general, right. I think, with motorsports. So what appealed to you about that type of racing as opposed to, you know, you got Indy, you got Formula One, you got, of course, NASCARs, still considered one of the most spectated sports. How you watch left circles all the time, I don't get it, but <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. So, So in terms of going this route and finding a hobby and something like as you're I mean this is not going to be great for the listeners out there but I'm seeing pictures you're showing me of you know off-roading but also like the racetrack so the ability for versatility is that more appealing to like someone with an engineering mind to be like okay it's not just for one terrain or one track right right well to be honest with you it was a poor man's way to get into uh, it, it was it, it was the beginning of all of this uh, racing with with electric cars. And racing, there were we would have heat races. There were high speed, but 
But these were endurance races. So we'd have a heat race to figure out who's first in line and stuff. But, but uh, they were endurance races, actually, the main race. But I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but... No, I guess I was an open-ended question. I probably didn't no, <laughs> set it up right. But what my point is, you know, we have all these different types of motorsports now. And the popularity, obviously, people have are really passionate about one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just... And you see, like, NASCAR is... I mean, a NASCAR is not really... It's built for the track, and that's yeah. it. And, and and what you're saying, basically, is, is why this was appealing. And that is that those types of racing, NASCAR and Indy and stuff... You had to have millions of dollars. A car costs a million dollars. Okay, a tranny will cost you fifty thousand oh, dollars. Okay. An engine will cost you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I don't know what it is today, but you had to have big money. So this was a a whole race mode that was brand new, and uh, and and anybody could get in it. So it was it was a poor man's. Chance. So it was more feasible for the average man, more than yeah. somebody that was inherited money or right. had money or. Yeah, I, I was competing against a million dollar car, and I think the first car cost me about seven thousand. <laughs> nice. and, and I was racing against a one million dollar APS car. Okay, there was no way I was going to beat that car. Okay, there was no way, but I was in the race with it, and I came in second. You know, I had a good purse in one of them. And uh, so I was actually in the thick of it, and I didn't have to have all this money. And I, I didn't, the only sponsor I had, I, Goodyear sponsored tires, GE sponsored the motor. I got some electronic components from uh, International Rectifier and uh, uh, Rotron, and it's on the website. I have a website, DM3 Electrics, and it kind of breaks it all down if somebody wants to go in there. But the bottom line is, 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 it, I was able to do something that I was at on par in a, in a I don't want to say I'm, I'm par with with all these rich uh, uh, you know uh, entrants, but but I was able to do it. And so it was more ingenuity than somebody's exactly, wallet. Exactly, exactly. And I was the car builder. I had help from my brother and and uh, and some a pit crew members, some double E's that helped me. I had a good friend who was a double E and helped me a lot, basically, on, on how I could help things efficiency-wise. And so, so I was basically a one-man show. I built the car. I, I drove it. You know, I paid for everything. And, you know, small-time operation. We, there, were, there were universities that participated from all over the country. There were uni- there were uh, universities from overseas. There were high school. All the local high schools were participating. There was about anywhere from a half a dozen to a dozen independents like myself, and it varied every year how many were in it. And so, you know, if if you looked at, it, I mean, we had more. I'll never forget, like in about ninety five or so, um, I had. Uh, you know, someone showed me a Japanese magazine that had my car in it. And it was a story, of course, I couldn't read it. But, you know, it was a story about my car and it showed my truck and stuff. And, and But there was a lot of press coverage around the world at the time. Right. And so, do they have, like, names? Like, you mentioned, like, a something 500 or 300. You know how they mentioned based on mileage or lap time? Were they... They're probably documented online that people can look up. Do you... Uh, I guess... Yeah. 
I'm not following you exactly. So, so what I'm asking is, like, do you have a couple names of these races that you participated in? Oh, well, it was it was the electric five. It was called the electric five hundred. Was it a series or just one race? Uh, it was a one annual race. It was in March of every year. So, for instance, the, I got that motor. When I tell you the first one, um, uh, the, the the first motor got I got it in November, and uh, and um, and I had to have the car ready in in March. So I wasn't going to build the car unless I really knew I got the sponsorship. So I had to do it in like four months. Which you okay. see the you see these reality shows where they have to build a car in a certain yeah. I mean, it was like, but anyway, uh, it was the APS Electrics is what it was. It was Electric 500. And it was, uh, and, and they had some of the, uh, toward the end of that, it, and it lasted from 91, I think it started in 91, and the last year was uh, 90, uh, I think it was 98. Why did they, why did it, why was there like a, like it was an era. Why? Why? Why do you think it stopped? Oh, so I was real close to the organizers of it because I was one of the few independent guys. I wasn't a university or anything. I was just Joe Blow from Phoenix. But anyway, um, he called me one day and he said, "It's all gone. It's we're we're not going to do it." I did it for seven years, and all of a sudden one day he called and I said, "It can't be." He said, "All the sponsors are pulling out, and nobody knew why." All of a sudden, he gets phone calls and all his sponsors, which was Smud and APS, Goodyear, uh, GE, uh, SRP, PG&E, and, uh, and, and they all pulled their sponsorships, and we couldn't figure out why. Well, long story short, it was when, the, uh, when they deregulated and, and created Enron. Huh. So all of those companies, now I'm, specu- I'm speculating, but when they saw that coming, those, those organizations knew what it meant. And they, they knew that they weren't going to be able to afford to sponsor anything because they were in for some uh, rough so, seas ahead, if so, you know what I'm saying. Right. And they knew it. They must have known it. So it, it killed it as fast, I mean, like flipping a switch. So if it wasn't for like that aspect and then obviously we've seen I mean NASCAR and India all these but do you think it's because of the oil companies do you think because well so so you had that factor the oil companies the whole time pushed back and uh, basically the oil companies uh, you know I, I talked to some insiders in the oil industry you know sitting next to people on a plane and stuff, oil, people that owned oil, an oil company, and uh, basically they said, their belief was, yeah, it's going to happen, and this is in the 90s, they said, yeah, it'll happen in 25 years or so, we're figuring, and we really don't want to make gasoline, because we'll make more money making other products other than gasoline, but we don't want it to happen now, which was back in the 90s, and so they were pushing back, they would... There were race car drivers, professional ones, and I won't mention their names, but they uh, they were going to enter the this race uh, circuit 
And at that time, their oil sponsors threatened them that if they did, they would have pulled their sponsorship. So things didn't happen. So there were there were forces fighting it. Uh, the media the media coverage wasn't there. Um, we, we, we didn't understand what was going on at the time too much. We, we'd hear some of those stories, but we didn't know it all. Right. Well, I, the reason I ask that question is, um, I, I don't know if it's been explained. Um, some people may or may not know, but I've had the chance to work at Barrett-Jackson. I've, I've, I've probably I've done maybe six auctions. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of the people that are just made car buying their what they do, they'll tell you right out that they were in oil. That's where they got all their millions of dollars. And it's just funny whether they're, they come down from Canada or they're from Texas and the mid, you know, the Midwest or wherever, it, um, parts of the South. They, and they're real boisterous about it. They're like, I got all my millions from the, and they say oil, you know, or whatever they're. So it's just, it's just interesting. Um, in you know that's just like luxury car auctions and that's what it is now and then a lot of people are, tie that into NASCAR and other types of racing you know they have charity auctions for like oh you can get drive Richard Petty's car or whatever um, so I was just curious is like I mean something this kind of ahead of its time for you know alternative energy and electric you know mm-hmm. I it seems to me like it was sabotaged because if it was just oh. In the oh, way you're kind of describing well, how well, it, it was yeah, a flip of the sure, switch. sure, you could say it was sabotaged, but uh, uh, the, 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 yeah, you, you could describe it that way, but like I said, they, they flipped the switch. It, 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 it just got turned off. All the, all the powers that, all the sponsorship, once the sponsorship dried up, yeah, they turned it off. And, and, and between those two forces, between the management of electricity that hurt those power companies and then the restriction of sponsorship of, uh, from the oil companies as a you know, threat to any kind of diversity into the electric side, yeah, you can say what you, what you said is... Is that accurate? Is pretty accurate. I mean... I, I, you know, sabotage is a, a, I guess be it's an a ugly word. harsh word. It's but, a harsh word, but, I mean, but it, yeah, it was turned not. off, you yeah. know? Okay. Well, the reason, just interesting, because now, now we, you know, obviously times, people are a little bit more open to alternative ways of energy now, because we've kind of realized that the way we were going was probably going to be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think this sort of thing could start up again and probably have... A longer lifespan in the future, like if, like they they you know a lot you know GE you, you mentioned GE and the reason is is because they 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 now have this thing with the the Tonight Show where they bring in kid inventors and they'll show their inventions and Jimmy will make a funny joke like he has one and then they give the kid scholarship money. Mm-hmm. So do you think like that kind of program could go through with maybe um, kids wanting to become engineers or stuff that are happening now and maybe stay longer because people are more open to electricity being a form of energy lifelong or alternative fuels or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's come a long way since the 90s. Yeah, everybody, a lot more people are aware of it. And it was the APS Solar and Electric 500. And what what they did then, um, basically... Um, 
<laughs> okay. Um, you know, we, we were we were somewhat ahead of the... If you look back now, we were ahead of our time. One of the... Toward the end of those seven years I was in it, they, they had the... Um, the Formula Electric car, which was a car that was a private little company that built these cars for universities. Well, I just the other day, I was looking that up online, and now IndyCar has Formula Electric. Yeah, that, that's why I was going and, to and, get but, to you. But, so, so, but it's, you don't see it in the mainstream. I don't know. I haven't seen it much in the mainstream. Media, well, is I, it? On the broadcast media? No, because NASCAR is primarily such a U.S. thing. But people that seek out Formula One and IndyCars, you know, in Europe and other, mm-hmm. they they're talking about it like crazy online. Right, right. See, because that's where we wanted to go back then. You know, we're talking twenty years ago. Okay, ninety seven was was twenty years ago. Right. All right. So so if I go back to that guy I met in the plane, right. This is twenty five years later. Okay, and now you're seeing it happen. Right. So, so he knew. All right. And and the point is, is that I, I to me it's somewhat or, it's orchestrated more than I want to believe. Okay, that it's coming out now, but it is going that way. And I guess I guess what I'm trying to the one thing about what I what we did, and I'll say it, my this is my own opinion, was it it was ahead of its time, and what we did was was a lot. We did a lot of good things because I think if people go, I, I probably if people are interested in it, they've probably seen my website DM3 Electrics, and I put it there for posterity only. I'm not making any money. And just to say it's this just happened. a history yeah. file. Just kind of go back. It's just a history yeah. file, and I wrote it in I think uh, uh, 99 or 2000 or something, and I haven't updated it much. But the bottom line is, it's just there to show that there was a history there. It did happen. And uh, I think it's great that they have the same name in these new cars. And then there's a Formula, there's a Formula E, and, and there's a couple other ones. And there's local racetracks that are doing, like uh, NCCA type racing or something. And so, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but but it's good to see it's happening. The problem, and I don't know if anyone would. Uh, know more about this but the point is is the batteries are the issue and when what we were our biggest problem back then was there were no batteries the the lithiums weren't there yet 25 years ago there were no lithiums that we could we could get our hands on and uh so so it's more conducive now because of that because of the battery technology so so i to say that it was uh suppressed in any way yeah there was a certain amount of it but we we didn't have the technology we do have today awesome so going to now do you think that you talked about the media coverage and now we have you know of course the internet and social media i mean people worship drivers and sponsors you know how it is online so do you think also that would be a a propel into something if it were to start up again a, a huge wave of racing maybe there would be a circuit like a not necessarily like want to say underground but you know what i mean it's not going to be people are still i love nascar but like you know what i mean do you think now that it's coming through and we're hearing more about alternative and electric like you said and formula one do 
you think the possibilities going forward, somebody could start up, like, you know, build from there with the fact that, you know, social media could get the word out. Right. Well, see, see, back then, we, we, we relied completely on broadcast media. There was some internet, but obviously it wasn't, it wasn't very big. And it wasn't to the, to the average person. So whereas, I, I don't know what the ratio is today. Back then, we only had broadcast media. And like I said, they didn't cover it. They covered it hardly at all. We'd have a week event, a week-long event. And it would get maybe at the beginning 30 seconds a night on the news. And toward the end, maybe five seconds. And we couldn't understand why we weren't getting the media coverage. Well, the bottom line is, as you know, now with, with the Internet, it's... You know, it's it's unbelievable the, the the coverage you can get, and there's more people on it, and the people that are on the internet are probably more conducive to electric. So, so I think that it's inevitable that uh, that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna get really big. And here's the cap. Here was my reason uh, to promote it at this point, anyway, is that. You, you can only get the oil from the, from the earth, from the ground, so to speak. And you, the average Joe can't, can't, can't drill it. But the average person can, create, can have different ways to charge the car. You can have a wind generator. You can have solar cells. You can have a bicycle with a generator. You can have a, a water turbine. There's infinite, well, not infinite, but there's many ways to create your own electricity and make you independent of an energy supplier. So it's a form of independence that obviously certain companies don't want the average person to have. And that was my, uh, for, for me, that was, that was a motivator too, long term. Right, going forward, okay. So to kind of transition off of electric cars, we mentioned social media and you, you mentioned kind of um, having a following and, and, you know, a lot of us use it for many different ways and reasons. Um, so kind of going forward as a platform for speech, um, you mentioned that, you know, most people, some people go at, you know, they have their own persona and then some people don't actually put their names on as a Twitter name. I mean, my original Twitter handle is not my name, but if you look at my profile, it mentions my name. So, you know, kind of talk about your experience with Twitter and, you know, nowadays and, and what social media and the Internet can mean to getting your idea or opinions out there. Yeah, I, uh, um, it, it took me a while to get a smartphone. I'm, a, I'm an older person. And it took a while for me to get a smartphone because I knew that I probably would get addicted to it. <laughs> and so I delayed it as much as possible. And certain, certain events in the recent years here with presidential election, there was, the president was using Twitter, and I wanted to read. I've always heard what some of the ones he did that upset people, so I wanted to understand and know what he was tweeting every day because he was tweeting more than once. And I'd only hear one a week or something. So, so I went on there to see that. And uh, I created my own. I, got, I have one on there. It's uh, one of the cars I built. 
I named it uh, the Volt Buggy, and if you go on Twitter and you put in Volt Buggy with B-U-G-G-Y, you'll see that, and it's it's relatively new, but I think Twitter is one of the greatest things that's ever been invented in the sense, not Twitter per se, but that that medium, because we can talk to almost anyone in in either high office or famous people, and you, you have the president tweeting directly to the people. It doesn't get filtered through the people around him. It's an amazing, for someone that's been around a while, it's an amazing thing that's happening right now, that the communication. Before we were, we were just, we, we, we were completely at the mercy of, of, main, of broadcast media. And the only way you could broadcast is to have these huge antennas with unbelievable amounts of power. And now with your little teeny phone, you, you can communicate with thousands, millions of people. Right. It's a, it's a renaissance. It's, it's like the invention of the printing press. Right. And I, I agree. But some, I guess, the argument on the other side is what you kind of mentioned about the addiction. Oh, that part. Yeah, yeah you know, how, like, we're all addicted to our phones. I mean, if you, yeah. I just noticed recently that, if you ever go, just go to a, a public place or just a restaurant and you, you watch, watch a couple go out to dinner, watch how... Halfway through, or when they're done eating, they're like in their phones. Do you? A lot of people are saying we need to like figure out a way to filter ourselves. And do you think that with the uh, the awesomeness of being connected to people, we're also in a way kind of being disconnected because at one point we actually stop talking to who we're with and we get on a phone. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, I grew I grew up when when the only way you communicated was was uh, in person or on a phone that the other four people in your family needed so you could only talk for five or ten minutes at a time. You can't talk on there for an hour. Uh, and now we have this ability. The thing is, the, the addiction part, I found even just recently that what what really made me addicted to it is you would get a community of of in a group, let's say you get on a thread mm-hmm. and there's 30, 40, 50, or 100 people on that thread and you're constantly giving each other uh, compliments and there's just something about that feedback that, what? yeah, you, you might have gotten it before, you'd be in a group of 5, 10 people and they're all the camaraderies there, but those were rare occasions. Now you can go on there every moment that you're free you can go in there and and be with friends on there and it's something that didn't exist before i think that's what we're addicted to right and and, and i've experienced that myself but in recent years i've i guess maybe because there's way too many platforms maybe that's my personal experience that i'm like oh, okay i'm pretty new to it yeah but um do you also think that can be hindering in some terms of oh, we're in our own community and yeah, like like a, a cult digi- a digital cocoon yeah do you think that that oh can, I, I don't think it's good I yeah. don't I don't think it's good I don't know I I don't know I don't know the alternative 
I think what it is, it's, it's like a new drug, okay, that, that it doesn't really hurt you, but it takes all your time. It's an addiction of, of time and this need of this positive feedback that we, we might have. I'm, that's my speculative side of it. But I, I just think it's, it's, it must be, it must be uh, fulfilling a need that we have that we didn't have before. That we didn't we didn't have that uh, that tool to fulfill it. I also I think maybe the positive thing that people get from it is because they feel like they're connected. To, like you know, a lot of people feel like they're outsiders, or for some reason because society we know how society can be with bullying and with you know everybody getting a label nowadays of you know a, a disability is something that we have to fear instead of embrace. Whether it, you know, these days, especially how a lot of people are, like, labeled in school just because they learned differently or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So do you think that the reason why social media is so addicting, too, is because people can find like other people? Yes. Because, see, see, I'm new to it. I've only been on it a couple of months. But the first thing you, when I went on, there would be conflict. You'd get someone with a different opinion than yours. And you'd have this conflict going on, and you have a battle of words or whatever you want to call it. And then I realized, why am I doing that? That doesn't make me feel good. So then, you know, I started searching for people with the same viewpoint I did, and all of a sudden I found this camaraderie there. Okay? And I said, and then I started blocking the people that <laughs> were, the where we were, yeah. the trolls especially. Yeah. So it's like, why, why do I want to put up with a troll when I can have people around me that, that we all think alike, whatever the view is, whatever the subject is. And so I think that's the addictive aspect of it. it it's, it's, it's almost like a drug. It, it's it's uh, an adrenaline drug, maybe. I don't know. It releases, maybe there's yeah, studies being happening. It's endorphins, it's, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's releasing endorphins, so you get off on it. Yeah, that would be my 60s perspective. Well, because, I mean, um, there's certain people that I know that aren't really on social media because when they made their opinions known, social media is now starting to censor people and say, oh, oh you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to do this. Oh, and yeah. somebody just, is boycotting was, yeah. social media. So do you think, because it's become so popular, because in the beginning when Facebook began and when Twitter, I, I'm one of these early adopters, so I've been on it probably mm -hmm. since the beginning it wasn't it didn't seem as censored and such a but because it's become so popular in a form of mainstream media and such a resource for people especially in third world countries where all they have is the internet and they don't they have their their news and media is so controlled anyway the internet is really the only way that they kind of feel like they're connected to outside is do you think it's going in a good way or do you think because it's be, also, the, the, the tip of the iceberg is the fact that, it, you know, censorship is a big deal. Um, especially when people, people are more open to hide behind their screens now, do you think, instead of actually understanding the perspectives. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see that with the president. I mean, he's deleted tweets because people are like, you know, obviously he, he, he says stuff to ruffle the feathers on mm -hmm. Twitter. And either you like it or you not. And then when the media and anybody gets back on him, especially during the election, he would delete stuff. And people were like, why are you deleting this? Why are you censoring yourself if you're 
trying to portray. To be open. Yeah. So do you think there's, I guess there's well, this, this just teetering back and forth. Well, I've been suspended and I'm not going to go into it, but the, the, it's just like the beginning of the printing press. I'm sure there were kings and queens that there were that things were written about that they didn't like. And, and a lot of, if you, if you go back in your history, you'll see many printing presses were destroyed and the buildings burned to the ground because people in power didn't like what was said. Well, if, well, this new, this is a new media. This is a renaissance of communication. So obviously there's going to be censorship and, uh, uh, it's it's inevitable, but the the human condition of of the will to survive will over I believe will overcome any types of censorship. I mean, through uh, rebellion socially or whatever. I it's it's being implemented now censorship, but I don't think it'll last long because uh, in a free society it can't. And, and any group of oppressed people will eventually free themselves. I don't think they need help from outside as much as they need to make the decision and free themselves. And they will do it. That's my own perspective. Right. So, yeah, it's there. And uh, being an optimist, I'd say that not for long. Hopefully it'll go away. I mean, there will always be a form of, of censorship, but I hope it won't be that strong. So going forward, so we, we talked about kind of history of, of great ideas and stuff with the electric car and, and going forward and it kind of alluded to what we want to expect from the future. So in terms of tying it in with social media, is I mean, what you just said, so going forward, do you, do you think that, you know, we're able as humans to get this sense of what freedom really is? with the way things are. I know I have conversations with a certain somebody about what truly is free and with the internet and with more and more technology and with the surveillance we think we're always on, um, how can we going forward, you know, be able to express ourselves through our ideas, our inventions, uh, you know, the way we want to, you know, live just a prosperous life. What, and I'm not talking prosperous in terms of money, and, and actual things, I'm talking feeling like you're fulfilled in terms of being able to use your brain and not go to a job where you're just stuck in a cubicle being bored all day. Or, you know, kind of, you know, everybody has their perspectives of what life is. Do you think going forward with what is what we have now will help us in the future, whatever that idea, that utopian idea is? And how we're. The reason I, I bring this up is because a lot of people seem. To think that we're in a, there's that, some think that we're, we're going in the right direction, obviously, politically, socially, environmentally. And some people are just saying, oh no, this is the worst, this is the pot, you know, any change is bad, you know. And so, <laughs> where, where do you think going in the future between social media technology, maybe electric car building in the future, stuff like that. Because, you know, we're seeing electric cars in mainstream, but we were talking about off the podcast, off recording, like the autonomous cars, you know, how there's going to be self-driving cars and what that's going to do to society. So do you have any thoughts going forward, kind of encompassing basically kind of all of that? I know that was a loaded question, but. Well, you know, the, the um, 
for, for, for people, for humans, oppression is, is what we try to avoid. And, and no matter what your background is, physically or mentally, basically there's always forces that try to direct the flow of, of thought, of physical, you know, excursions or whatever you want to, see, you know, phys technology, what path technology goes. The bottom line is, um, if you're in a new way, a new age, which we are in, it, there's always going to be those forces that are going to try and direct it. And, and all we know about for sure is we know the past and it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you are. We all recognize the, the bad things that we've seen up to that point. And what there's forces that try to divide us by by showing us the differences. But if you if we all got together, we would see the common uh, uh, acknowledgement of of the bad things we've seen. And I, I guess I it's hard for me to say this, but but there's always forces trying to, to trying to direct us. And if, and the struggle is to stop that. It, it, it's to acknowledge what we know was bad and try and avoid it. The problem is, is everybody's solutions are different to try and avoid the bad things we both, we all know about. Both sides know about. So that's the struggle. Right now we're pretty divided. We both acknowledge the, the bad things that have happened in the past, but our solutions are different. And only, only because I think the reason is, is we've never, both sides haven't seen all of the definitions of those solutions. In other words, if we, if someone would do a, a specification sheet of solutions and we all read the same specs, you know, talking like an engineer, the bottom line is, is we probably come to more or less the same conclusion. conclusion. Okay. If we tr truly knew the truth about all those bad things and how to avoid them, Obviously, we would all probably want to do the same thing to solve it. It's it's the it's the uh, it's the it's the information. It's the data that's that's fed out. If you look at broadcast media and the internet media, they're two different things. The internet, you can find any any uh, point of view you want, <laughs> and you have to you as an individual have to sort out the truth. Whereas broadcast media is filtered, it's scripted in a lot of ways, and the the internet you can't script or well they're they're trying to change that, but yeah, you, you it's at this point it's still the wild west of data, of information. So at least there the the general masses can can try and sort it out themselves. I don't know if that answered your question. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, there's not trying to do a right or wrong kind yeah, of question. Right. It's just exactly. kind of your thoughts going forward being from what you've experienced. That's kind of what I was getting at. Um, and the reason I kind of tied electric cars to social media, just kind of, I noticed, you know, that was something passionate and I was told that's kind of, you know, stuff to talk about in terms... We all like want like to talk about what we experience. So I and, and the reason why I ask these questions is because a lot of people 
like like you mentioned, broadcast media is filtered, so some people won't really say what's on their mind and what won't really it's a script. Yeah, so that's kind of going forward. So um, this kind of went by quickly. Um, so going forward, um, before we wrap up, uh, do you want to talk about a new hobby that's we talk about the internet, but uh, going forward with like cryptocurrency and what you think that'll do to freedom. Um, Because as pretty much everybody on the internet that will listen to this will have probably heard one or two things about what a Bitcoin is, what it means to mine, but they may or may not understand what the possibilities from that mean, other than the fact that a lot of people are just doing it because of the fad mentality and wanting to be part of the sheep. But others are doing it because we talked about freedom and maybe this could open possibilities for a lot of people. So... I know you're you're you you recently got into cryptocurrency. So what do you think about the whole explosion right now? Well, just speaking from a personal perspective, we all know uh, the dollar and the in the the fiat. It's a fiat currency, and and since they went off the gold standard in the '70s, we all wondered where it would go. Well, where the most people that understand it to to a certain degree. Know that they can't, they can't last forever, and so everybody was looking for a safe place to put your investments, whether it's pro, whether it's real estate or gold, or leave it in cash in the bank or put it in a, a safe deposit box or any safe or something. The, this the, to me, this is part of what I call the Renaissance. And here's this all new. All of a sudden, there's a new form of currency, and I can't say I understand it completely. But it, just like paper money, it really doesn't. It, in this day and age, it really doesn't have a, a monetary value other than people believe in it. And so the crypto side, where people say, "Well, but there's you're not getting it," and it's like, "Well, basically, we all." Under, more and more people are understanding that it's just another form of fiat currency, but it's one that isn't managed by outside forces, and it doesn't have the uh, regulation. The, would, no, it doesn't have the, the 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 bad side, which is that you you create it with a printing press. There's and and, and you're, there's more money owed than it exists, because it's 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 issued out with an interest rate, whereas the Bitcoin, the cryptos, there is no interest rate, there is no loan from a bank. You own it, and it's done. So um, uh, it's for personally, I I just recently got in it only because, you know, if anybody knows Max Geyser, you listen to Max and. He's kind of he's kind of out there, but he's a pretty smart guy. And and I, the more I understood, the more I realized I should I should be in there. And uh, I think it's pretty exciting. I I think it's part of what I call the Renaissance. That we're in a new age right now. People, the average person that's not in the into the internet doesn't realize where we are right now. This is the beginning of something unbelievably different. That's my own perspective. And I think crypto, the more I understand about it, is, is, the, is the currency. I mean, eventually, it, it, costs a lot of, it costs a lot to print a piece of paper. 
you know, a penny costs more to make than it's worth. So, and paper is eventually, I, I, I guess paper is a lot cheaper, but you still have to create it. Whereas Bitcoin is, is uh, you know, digital. It, there's no, <laughs> there's no hard copy, so to speak, unless you cash it out into some other form of value. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, you know, going for it. No, really right or wrong way to answer a question. Right, no, I just, I, but I mean, I, did I, did I uh, <laughs> project my thought there? No, probably. you did. Um, and, you know, like I said, I I have my own perspective on it, which we won't go into right now. But, all right, so again, I thank you for joining me. So, you mentioned your website. Can you say that again for the listeners? I'll also put all this stuff in the description on the podcast, but... Okay, it's, it's DM3 Electrics. Uh, just the David, Michael, and then the number three. Okay. And then the word electric with an S on the end. And then where can people find you on Twitter? It's uh, Volt Buggy. Okay. And that's both the name and the, the connection there. So it's it's good. And uh, you'll see there some of the other things we I did. I was involved with a drag race car that held the world record for several years until Big Daddy Don beat us. And... Uh, he basically, he, again, here's here's a garage mechanic guy, you know, held the world record, and, and that's another story in itself, but it took a lot of money to beat us. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me, and we'll get this up as soon as possible, probably. All right, I appreciate it.